about 16 years ago, I found myself in what felt like a year from hell for me. And we had lived in this small town in Oklahoma, and I had accepted a position at a really large church about three hours away. And so we started this process of reorienting our entire life to go to this other place. And I should have known that we were in trouble for the year because we borrowed a trailer, a long 16-foot trailer, from a guy in the new church, and my friend drove the trailer uh, for us, hauling our stuff. And as we pulled into our new apartment complex, he accidentally ran it into the side of this building, and Titanic gashed the side of this trailer. And we had to pay for that. We rented out our house to some people in our church back home uh, who said, we're going to get financing, and we're going to buy this house in a few months. And so it seemed like everything was good, minus the trailer. And then my wife worked at a residential treatment center, and a student passed away in this center. And so they lost funding, and all of these people started getting pink slips. So imagine a world where everyone around you is getting pink slipped time after time after time, and we didn't know what day she was going to get hers. And around that same time, we found out we were pregnant with our second child. And we were so excited. And I, I went off to the mountains to do uh, my last youth camp and I didn't have cell service. And when I was coming back from the mountains, I called home and I found out that she had been having a miscarriage for two days. About two months later, I got a call from the people that were renting our house. And they said, unfortunately, we were unable to get financing for the house and so we're not gonna be able to buy it. And also, we wanna let you know that we moved out last Thursday. And so we made double payments for several months and we ran out of money and to top it all off at the end of that year from hell about three weeks before christmas with my two-year-old son and my wife i was let go from my job and so i drove back to this small town in oklahoma back to this house that hadn't worked out to sell and i had a pillow and i had a sheet and i'd stop by and in those days i had classified ads in the newspaper remember those the things you read you open them up you print print <laughs> And I found myself looking through this newspaper at these terrible options for classified ads. And everything in my life felt like it had fallen apart. And I remember crying out to God on the floor of this house. I was reading a book, I think, by Max Licato called Where is God When It Hurts? And I threw the book across the floor and I said, how much more of this can I take? It reminds me a little bit of the movie Castaway. And I'll tell you really quickly, I... Watched the movie Castaway the night before my first ever commercial airline flight. <laughs> and I, I flew across the Atlantic at night in a window seat, and I could see the water, and I, it freaked me out. Now, if you don't know the story of Castaway, a guy crashes in a plane into the ocean, ends up on this island. He spends five years alone. He becomes his own dentist. He uses an ice skate to knock teeth out. He does all these things and he befriends a volleyball just to stay sane. And he found himself asking, have I been forgotten? I'm going to guess that some of us in this room have felt like that. Has there ever been a time in your life where it just feels like maybe the deck is stacked against you and there's no way out and you don't know what to do? The truth is, if we're honest, we've all found ourselves experiencing a wide array of emotions due to just what life serves us. Sometimes we feel alone. We feel scared. We feel angry. We might feel resentful. We might feel overwhelmed. And for some of us, it's because there was a loss of some kind. Maybe the business that you dreamed so hard of failed. 
Maybe the marriage that you invested so much into didn't work out. Maybe you lost a child. Maybe you lost the dream of what things could and should look like in life. Or maybe you, like some of the families in our tribe here, experienced a traumatic experience like the STEM shooting a few weeks ago. Or an unexpected family tragedy. Or maybe a relationship went sour. Or someone you love moved away. Or your children went an unexpected direction. Or there's injustice happening against you or someone else. Or for some, hearing from Ryan last week, that he's since God calling him to explore this opportunity in California. And in those seasons, maybe you were reeling. And maybe you're in a season like that right now. And the challenge is, for a variety of reasons, we often feel ill-equipped to, to know what to do with our emotions, with our feelings, with those things that hit us hard. And one reason might be is that you, you grew up in a family that, was told, that told you, like, you shouldn't have those feelings. You should just move on. Alice Miller, the Swiss psychologist, wrote this amazing book. And if you experienced a traumatic childhood, I highly recommend this book. It's called The Drama of the Gifted Child. And she tells this story of this three-year-old who lost her mother. And after the funeral, the little girl was huddled up on the stairs and she was sobbing. And her aunt came to her and she said, stop crying. It won't bring your mom back. You see, her family taught her that stuffing it down was the proper response. And later in therapy, she talked about how that affected her life for years. Maybe you've gotten in the habit of stuffing your emotions down when they come, or maybe you let it out in unhealthy ways, like yelling at people or getting on Facebook and just blasting certain things, or drinking too much or eating too much or saying negative things about others in order to distract from what you're really feeling inside. Or maybe you heard a TV preacher say that following Jesus is all fairy dust and unicorns and life is rosy. And you feel ashamed because life just doesn't always feel that way for you at times. Who's with me? I think a lot of well-meaning people uh, have made focusing on mental and emotional wellness a bad thing, as, it's, as if somehow it's unspiritual. And so unfortunately, one of the, the most common responses to feeling what we feel in difficult times has nothing to do with going honestly before God, even if we're really mad about life. And it, it, it more often is stuffing it down and pretending it's okay even when it's not, or letting it out in really unhealthy ways, or feeling guilty for having feelings. But listen to me. If we don't learn to deal with our emotions, especially emotions like grief and fear and shame and sadness, it can rob us of the life that God intends us to live. And it could leave us numb and filled with shame and capable of showing up for life and being present or being like a ticking time bomb waiting to explode. We're judging others who do feel things. And ultimately, it can keep us from moving toward wholeness, which is one of our values, and can keep us from becoming spiritually mature, formed into the image and likeness of Jesus. Listen to me. You can't ignore and stuff down what you feel forever. It will come out in unhealthy ways, and they will hurt you, and they'll hurt those around you. So what do we do? Well, fortunately, the scriptures are filled with examples of people that express every kind of emotion under the sun, and it gives us a little bit of a, a roadmap that we can follow to embrace hard seasons well. 
And we're in this series called Brave in the New World. And we've been exploring for the last several weeks all kinds of ways that we, as the church and as followers of Jesus, can live in his way and his heart in an ever-changing world. And listen, I believe that the church that is brave in the new world encourages people to embrace their emotions in a way that moves them toward balance, health, and wholeness. And unfortunately, the church was really silent on these issues for a long time or made people feel like they just somehow were ungodly because something was off with how they felt or what they thought. And listen, if we as the church don't embrace this, if we don't do well at this, the risk we're at risk of staying silent on issues that we should be screaming the loudest about. We're at risk of making uh, the world see the church as an enemy and making those who feel pain and who are hurting feel marginalized and like the church is not a safe place for them. So today what I want to do is I want to walk through a practice together that I think can serve as a tool to help us feel what we feel and in a healthy way when life throws us unexpected, difficult things. And life will throw us unexpected and difficult things. And so I'm going to introduce a practice, this practice of lament. Would you say that word with me? Lament. What is a lament? Well, just a simple definition is a lament is bringing a complaint to God when life is difficult. Now, some of us maybe in this room think, well, that's not very Christian. It's not godly to complain to God, is it? I mean, uh, it's not okay to sit in the mire and cry out to God. And, and to those of us who might think that, I want to encourage you to go back to the scriptures. Because the Bible is filled with examples of people who lament and complain about their circumstances and their pain to God, isn't it? One of my favorite parts of the Bible is right smack in the middle of the Bible. It's the, it's the Psalms. And that's sort of Israel's prayer book. And I love it because it's like a record of the vastness of human emotions. I mean, you see everything, the extreme highs and the extreme lows and some really weird stuff too. It's a wild book. But what we end up seeing is real, raw, honest complaints and crying out to God to the point where there's a whole category with several subcategories underneath it of Psalms called Psalms of Lament. These Psalms show us how to be real and honest and authentic with God. And so today what I wanted to do is turn in your Bibles to Psalm 13. It's one of the Psalms of Lament. And I want to see how David voices hurt to God. And what I want us to do is journey together through this, through five steps we can take to lament well. And so turn in your Bible, Psalm 13. Let's dive into this. Now David had a lot of favor with God. We know that. You guys know the name David, right? King David. The King David. All right? And he voiced um, to God his frustration, his concern, his fear. Let's take a look. Psalm 13. Let's read uh, verses 1 through 4. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day I have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. How many of you can relate to those words? Wow. I'm a pastor and I certainly have found myself feeling this way. And I love how candid David is, how raw and honest and even irritated it seems like he is in this, and I think we can learn a lot from this. And so what I want to do is, as we work through this passage is to, is to walk through five steps to help us learn to lament 
in a healthy way. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, I'm not in a season of right now. That's awesome. I'm really excited about that. Write it down, though, because you will at some point, and you'll need these. So five steps to, to dealing with lament. Here's the first one. The first one is to get brutally honest with God. Get brutally honest with God. This one can be kind of hard to do because we feel if we do that, that we're not good Christians or that somehow we're going to offend God by being brutally honest with God. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Lean in. Listen. He can handle it. He can. Several years ago, I was really frustrated. I was in the middle of a really hard season, and I was praying, and I was praying, and I mean, it was this beautifully woven together prayer, and the swear word popped out (laughs) during my prayer. And it made me stop and go, whoa, like what in the world is going on? And I thought about it, and I thought, oh, no. And it jarred me, but I also felt a little bit of gratitude that I was able to be so honest and vulnerable with God. And so I went to one of my religious friends, and I said, a little question, have you ever swore when you were praying? And he was like, well, of course not. (laughs) He's not British. I don't know why I did that, but he... He was very uppity about it. And, um, but what I would submit is, like, don't you think that God knows our heart? Can he not handle our most honest, vulnerable prayers? Now, listen, I need you to pay, pay close attention. Look at me, those of you who are starting to tweet. Do not walk away saying one of the steps to lament is to swear when you pray. I'm not saying that, okay? So strike that from the record. I'm just saying, can't we talk directly to God in the same exact way we might talk to a friend over dinner when we're going through a hard season of life. But listen, a lot of us are trained, it's deeply embedded, we can't be that honest and vulnerable with God. And so we tell ourselves, is that, that's unspiritual. And I guess if it is, then David's pretty unspiritual. I mean, look how honest and vulnerable with God he is. Was Jesus unspiritual? On the night that he was betrayed in the garden, he prayed He poured his soul out to the Lord, and he talked to God about his situations. And the the scriptures recorded that he prayed and he agonized so hard that he sweat what? Blood. On the cross, you know, he wasn't on the cross going through it all, and then he quoted what he heard a TV preacher say. He didn't quote, you know, uh, a, a statement you see on a church street sign. He didn't quote that. What did he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I love John eleven thirty five. This is every child's favorite memory verse because there's only two words, and it's this. Jesus wept. And this is when Lazarus died. And it shows that Jesus felt that to the point that he cried. You see, I think God allowed these accounts to be in the scriptures, not for God's benefit, but for our benefit. So that to show us that feeling things and being completely vulnerable is totally normal, and it's how God wired us to be. And listen, Some of you have been in bondage your entire life about how to talk to God because of some stuff that you heard or stories you told yourself, and you need to listen to me today and be set free from this. The first step to lamenting well and complaining and voicing our heart about our difficulties is learning to be brutally honest with God. And if you don't learn to do this, you'll never grow fully into the person that God created you to be. Who's with me? What does that look like for you? Now, for most of us, when everything kind of hits the fan, we're great at 
running to everyone else and voicing our complaints to them and forgetting to go to God or we don't feel like maybe we're allowed to go to God. And we forget the freedom that Jesus extends to us. Remember Matthew chapter 11. What does Jesus say? Come to me, all you who have it all together. That's right. Weary and burdened. Not those who have it together. Those who've stuffed it down. Those who are feeling what you feel. Come to me and I will give you rest. Isn't that good news? See, for many of us, the idea of getting brutally honest with God, it's a new thing, and it might feel really weird to try it and super vulnerable, and you don't even know where to start. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to dig down deep. For some, it's going to be right on the surface, and some, it's under layer after layer of protective things you've done. I want you to find something that was hard, that hurt, that made you mad, that made you want to just complain. Find it. You got it? Hold it. Don't spray it on your neighbor. Don't post it on Facebook. I'm going to give you another tool, a better tool. I've written a prayer that I'd like us all to pray together to help us practice being brutally honest with God. So take that thing that you just pulled up in your memory, and let's pray this prayer. Ready? Go ahead and put it up. Here we go. Pray it with me. Dear God, what I'm going through right now really stinks. I feel so alone. Amen. How did that feel? So let me ask you, what's keeping you from being brutally honest with God? So the first step to learn to, to lament well is to become brutally honest with God. The second one is this one of asking God for help. You might not know this, and I'll let you in on a little bit secret about guys. Men would rather drive around in circles for two hours then stop and ask for directions. Amen. I'm sorry. I, it's, it's a DNA level thing. I don't know. It's genetic. You can blame God for that one because he put our genes in us. I don't know why. But for some of us, asking for help is such a weird sign of weakness or something, right? It's really difficult. For those of us who are like fiercely independent, the last thing we want to do is ask for help. But I think an important step in this process is to pause and ask God for help. And look at the verse again, verses 3 and four. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. See how direct David is? I mean, he's asking specifically. He's saying, turn back to me. Respond. Put light back into my eyes. Give me life and take me out of this thing. And there's something really powerful about just admitting we don't have all the answers. Really hard to do. Um, and it's hard to do that sometimes when we don't know specifically what to ask for. Like we just, it's terrible. I feel terrible, but I don't even know what the answer is. And so I'm going to amend the prayer. I'm going to add a little bit more to it. I'm giving you another prayer uh, addition to this. Pray this with me. Dear God, what I'm going through right now really stinks. I feel so alone. I could really use your help, whatever that is. Amen. Don't you just feel so spiritual playing, praying that? So the first step in learning to get um, through lament in a, in a season is to get brutally honest with God. And, and then we ask for help. And then sometimes we get stuck there and we don't do anything else because we don't hear God say anything back. And then we become this victim where we think everything stinks all the time and we remain stuck in this sort of cycle. And so we've got to add some more steps to this. And so I'm going to add the third one. The third step is to remember God's truth. 
remember God's truth. See, we can get really honest with God. We can ask for help. But if we don't remember God's truth about himself and about us, we'll wallow in misery and we might run the risk of never walking out of it. And so I love how David so honestly and vulnerably cries out to God and asks for help. But then he reminds himself of the truth of God. And look how this, this powerful psalm ends in verses 5 and 6. I want you to read this with me because I want you to hear yourself saying these words back because these are the truth of God. Let's read it. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I've often wondered if someone who didn't know what church was like walked in and heard us reading together if they would think we were a cult. <laughs> It sounds so weird, but it's true. Look at how he ends this verse. It's so powerful. See, David reminds himself that God has shown up in the past, that, that God did something in the past, that God will intervene in the future, and that God is generous too. And guess what? We need those reminders sometimes too, don't we? I mean, the problem is we can be great at lodging a complaint. Like he did this and she did that, and everything stinks and everything is bad and I don't like that. But when we don't stop to remind ourselves of the goodness of God, we can get really stuck. If we, if we don't want a short-term season of lament to turn into a lifetime of depression or being stuck, we have to interrupt our thinking, reminding ourselves not only of where God has shown up in the past, like David did, but also by meditating on the scriptures like Philippians chapter 4. You probably know Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Have you heard it? I'm going to read it from the voice translation, just because I think it's so poetic and beautiful. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, fill your minds with beauty and truth. Meditate on whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is virtuous and praiseworthy. Listen, keep to the script. Whatever you learned and received and heard and saw in me, do it, and the God of peace will walk with you. That's what we should be putting our minds on. We should not only be putting our minds on those things about God and who God is, but also about what God thinks about us. And we need to remind ourselves that God still loves you. God even likes most of us. <laughs> God hasn't forsaken you. You're going to be okay. And I can't tell you how many people in 23 years of ministry have told me they thought God hated them. That God was mad at them because of who they were or what they did. And so it told them, they told themselves all these kinds of stories. So I want to turn back to this little prayer. And if you want to take your phone out and take a picture of it so you can pray it later, um, I welcome you to do that. This is taking a prayer based on Psalm 13. Ready? Dear God, what I'm going through right now really stinks. I feel so alone. I could really use your help, whatever that is. I'm choosing to trust you because you've come through before. I'm doing my best to wait on you. Amen. How do you feel? Isn't it good to talk honestly with God? So we're learning to be brutally honest with God, to ask God for help, and to remember God's truth. And I'm going to give you two more things that are really important. And this one's going to sound kind of weird. Number four, do something that feeds you. And this one seems a little bit counterintuitive, but this one and the next one are really, really important. You see, lamenting well 
doesn't necessarily mean that all of your energies are put entirely into lament. Like, I'm just lamenting and lamenting. Like, that's exhausting. You just can't sustain that, right? I'm just lamenting, and I'm lamenting. Your coworkers are going to hate you. So you can't just stay in it constantly. There's this, there's this balance. You still need to go <clears throat> through the rhythm of your life and balance it with finding something that feeds you, something that responds to the way that God wired you, something that gives you energy and renews you and gives you strength. You need that in a season of lament. You need to engage in that thing. And it's hard to do, listen, because when times are tough, sometimes we have no energy. The people who've experienced clinical depression will tell you that sometimes it's all they can do to get out of bed. You know, it's different for all of us, but if, if you don't pause in the middle of your chaos and try to find something that feeds you, that gives you energy, that leans into how God's wired you and keep doing it, you could slip back into everything is awful mode and maybe not ever walk out of it. So you got to think about what that is for you. And I don't know what that is for you. I'll tell you, for me, um, when I'm having a hard time, sometimes I'll go to the piano. I'll start playing. Or I'll pick up my guitar. I like to go for walks. We live in the, the most amazing state on the planet for walks, for hikes, all those things. Um, I find a body of water to sit by. I like to sit by my fire pit at night. Those are some things that are restorative to me. And for you, it might be having some quiet time. It might be playing with your kids. It might be working out. It might be watching a movie. It might be writing. It might be going to the church picnic today. But I want to just tell you, if you don't have something like this in your life, you've got to find it fast because you're going to need it. It'll fill up your tanks and give you the energy you need to move forward in life. So we get brutally honest with God and we ask God for help. We remember God's truth. We find something that feeds us. And then finally, here's the last thing I'd encourage you to do to lament well, and that is to embrace community. And this one is kind of counterintuitive as well because when, off, when life sort of becomes difficult, often we want to withdraw and pull away. For me, when I'm really hurting or mad or sad or I had something tough happen to me or I did something I'm not proud of, the last thing I want to do is to get around a bunch of people. And I realize that part of that is because I'm a bit of an introvert, and so I could blame it on that, but if I look deeper into my soul, it's because I don't want to have to be vulnerable. And I just want to hide. And listen, those things happen to me just like they do you, just because I'm a pastor. I have all the same stuff you deal with. My wife and I have fights just like you and your significant others do too. I'm a jerk to my kids sometimes. I know that's hard to believe, and in the next service, they'll probably go, Amen! just like you're a jerk to your kids sometimes. I mess up just like you do. And I will tell you, there are times in life where I'm just going through something difficult, and what I want to do is I want to run away from this community. But one of the most healing parts of navigating through life's toughest journeys is to stay engaged in community. Because God often wants to use others to shape us, to speak his truth into our lives, to be conveyors of grace to us, and we need that. And when we hide and we run away, we miss out on the beautiful blessing that's right in front of us. And when we pull away from some people that will love us as we are, we're missing out. In 23 years of ministry, I've seen this happen a lot. Someone's going through a tough time. Uh, something happened to them or they're stressed or they messed up or whatever it might be. And so I get an email like this. Say, hey, Pastor Larry, I'm going through a tough time right now, and so I'm going to step down from serving or I'm going to join, drop out of my small group, and I'm not going to attend for a while while I sort of try to get it all together. Thanks. 
Listen, the truth is, when you're in a season of pain and lament, the last thing you need to do is to walk away from biblical community. I'm going to say it again. When you're in a season of lament, when life is hard, when you don't know what to do, when you feel like your back is against the wall, the last thing you need to do is to walk away from biblical community. We all need biblical community to help us. You cannot live on an island for five years and be okay. You will befriend and talk to a volleyball. You need people. We all need to have a group of people to share our pain with who will support us and encourage us and just let us vent and cry and be real, but also will challenge us with the truth that God is good and that it won't stay this way forever and and to encourage us to lament in a healthy way. That's one of the things I love about South Fellowship. I mean, this is a church where people are real. I love that this place is a grace-filled place. It's one thing we live by. We live by grace and we really mean it. And look at me, which means if you came here today and you're having a bad day, it's okay. We're glad you're here. You don't have to pretend. One time I saw this woman, I go, hey, how's it going? And she gave me this laundry list of how bad it was. And I, at first I thought, well, I just kind of meant like, no, it was a good week, or high five and move on. <laughs> but that's true. I was so grateful that she felt like she could just be candid about where she was. She didn't just quote some scripture and say the TV preacher said, you know, not that. She felt what she was feeling. I love that this church has communities like Celebrate Recovery, or groups that, that honestly deal with mental and emotional wellness, which are challenging issues at times. Things like grief share and divorce recovery and on and on it goes. And I love that the people of this church are so willing to do life with one another. In the good times and in the hard times and in everything in between. That is South Fellowship Church. And that's the power of community and surrounding ourselves with a handful of people who will let us be real, but also bear our burdens with us and be patient with us and who won't reject us when we mess up. I need that kind of community in my life. How about you? But most beautifully, a community of people who will be dispensers of grace, who will be God's hands and feet and ears in our lives and will help make sure that we navigate through the season of lament in a healthy way. And there's a great opportunity to find that balance today right after the second service over at Decoven Park. We're going to eat well. We're going to have burgers and dogs and sides and all this kind of stuff. And we're going to play and we're going to hang out. And these are the same people we can go have fun who are also ready and willing to sit with you during the tough times. That's a beautiful thing. One, one final thing briefly about this season. If you missed it, last week Ryan shared with us that a church in California had approached him and asked him to be their next pastor. And he really wrestled with that because he has no desire to leave this place, but God started tugging on his heart and felt his leading to embrace the process. And Ryan right now is there in California sharing with that church, and he and Kelly are prayerfully trying to discern what God's plan is for their life. And for some of you, that's led to a great deal of lament. And to you, I just want to say, believe me, I know. I'm with you. I'm feeling it too. But I just want to encourage all of us in this room to feel what you feel. Don't stuff it down. Name it, look at it. But I also want to remind us that Jesus is the head of this church and the head of our life. And for all of us, no matter what we're going through in life, no matter what might be hitting us hard, 
Jesus is the head of our lives and that he's with us in every season, including seasons of lament. Are you with me? So I want to ask you, what about you? How are you doing at being able to practice lament? For some, you might say, I'm doing great. For others, it's coming out in all kinds of unhealthy ways, or you're just stuffing it, and you aren't lamenting at all. And, and I just want you to listen for a moment. To others of you, there are people in this room who are incredibly wounded because others have made you feel ashamed of what you feel inside and your lament and your difficulties. And maybe you've heard someone say to you, why can't you just get over it already? I want to encourage all of us, wherever you find yourself in that place, to learn to lament in a healthy way. And I want you to ask yourself this morning, what's one step I can take? And I gave you five. And they're all good, healthy steps. And maybe one jumps out at you. For some of us, we just need to get brutally honest with God. And maybe you need to get in your car and drive down the street after church and just scream it out and just tell God what you need to tell him. Just don't do it at a stoplight or you'll freak everyone else around you out. <laughs> now do it. That's fine. For others, you need to stop being so fiercely independent and just call upon the Lord for help. And to pause maybe and open the scriptures and remember God's truth and pour over this, trusting in his unfailing love and his salvation and leaning into God. For others, it's doing something that feeds you, that helps you lean into how God's naturally wired for you to, to live. Or for others, it's embracing community. What is it for you? I believe that God's heart for this church is to continue to learn to do this, to embrace what we feel, and to take steps to grow. We're going to continue to have groups where you can navigate in community whatever it is that you're dealing with in a healthy way. And listen, the church should be the safest place in the world for people to come experience the ups and downs of life together. Imagine if we do our part, if we lament well, if we feel what we feel, the highs and the lows, if we learn to do that well, and if we lament well, if we sit well with others who are in lament, and we learn to experience the full range of emotion that God has given us, how attractive that would be to people who don't know Jesus. That, my friends, is being brave in this new world. I want to close by sharing a prayer with you that I ran across that really helps me. And it's attributed to Augustine, who lived in the 4th and the 5th century. And I don't know about you, but it brings me a lot of comfort to know that there are really spiritual, strong people of the faith who hurt and who lamented and who went through stuff in life. It makes me not feel alone in that. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes this morning. And if you're hurting, I want to invite you into a season of lament. But I'm going to pray this prayer over you. And so I'm just going to ask you just to listen to these words and let them wash over you as a father of the faith wrote these words. Let these words wash over you and receive them. God of our life, there are days when the burdens we carry chafe our shoulders and weigh us down. When the road seems dreary and endless, the sky is gray and threatening. When our lives have no music in them and our hearts are lonely and our souls have lost courage. Have you felt that way? 
flood the light, the path with light, turn our eyes to where the skies are full of promise, tune our hearts to brave music. Give us a sense of comradeship with heroes and saints of every age, and so quicken our spirits that we may be able to encourage the souls of all who journey with us on the road of life. To your honor and to your glory, we pray. Amen.